in case you missed it, my book Anatomy of Abundance hit the market and it is officially an Amazon bestseller. We couldn't have done it without your help. Thank you for being here and supporting me. If you haven't picked up your copy, pick it up today. Learn how to transcend the limits of scarcity and rewrite your life's narrative, transforming it into a story of boundless prosperity and fulfillment with Anatomy of Abundance. Join renowned author Petrina Wisdom and 16 Brilliant Minds on a Transformative Journey. Discover awe-inspiring narratives and empowering strategies to attain abundance in relationships, career, health, and wealth. Every purchase breathes life into a remarkable cause, donating book proceeds to the Shine Organization. Shine Organization empowers sex trafficking survivors to break free from scarcity, fear, and past traumas, and boldly create their own unique path to abundance through entrepreneurship. Buy your copy today. You're listening to Fuck Being Stuck, the podcast where we spotlight women who've gone from managing to mastering life's challenges and the badass practitioners that are changing the way we heal. I'm Dr. Sabrina Nicole, psychologist, coach, author, and speaker. But more importantly, I'm a woman who had my own journey to mastering chronic pain. You don't need to be stuck anymore. Fuck that. Welcome to today's episode. My guest today is Amicietta Clark, Esquire. She's a highly sought-after speaker and certified holistic health coach. She believes that everyone has the power to affect their health outcomes and shares this message with conviction based on her battle with myasthenia gravis, a rare autoimmune disease. Diagnosed at 25, Amicietta underwent several conventional treatments while working 80 to 100 hours a week as a corporate lawyer. Following her diagnosis of steroid-induced osteoporosis at age 32, Amicietta reclaimed power over her health and has been symptom and medication-free since 2011. I felt that. Yes. Through her company, Clean Body Living, Amicietta helps high achievers with autoimmune diseases and chronic illnesses shift their mindset to realize they own the power in their health healing journey through awareness, body movement, clean eating, self-care, stress management, managing the healthcare system, and reducing environmental toxins. She's certified by the Institute for Integrative Nutrition and is an alumna of Cornell University and Cornell Law School. Welcome. Thank you so much, Serena. I'm really happy to be here and to be sharing my story. Oh, I, I can't wait to hear this. I had to pause reading your bio because I felt that, like... You've been on a serious journey here, and I'm so glad you're here to tell the story behind it. You know, if you could just start to share, like, what was life for you before this diagnosis? What was your life looking like as a lawyer and all you were doing? Sure. So I was actually diagnosed in law school. So before the diagnosis, I was in law school trying to graduate. I was gearing up for the bar exam because I was diagnosed in my third year of law school, definitely was doing a lot of studying, working out, definitely had my little share of partying to the extent that I could, had some friends up there, but life, life was good. I had, I had just gotten a new car that year, my third year of law school, my parents got me a car and I had a full-time job already lined up six-figure job lined up at a law firm. So I was excited. I was about to start my career, start life. I was planning on buying an apartment and, you know, just being fully, fully independent. 
Wow. And at 25, you know, most people think, oh, 20s, you don't have to worry about anything. And then here comes the symptoms. So what were your, some right. of your symptoms? How did, what led you to the doctor? So what happened was this was December 17th, 2002. Mm-hmm. So it was during finals. So I had taken a few of my finals and I had a break in between the most of my finals and my last one, my administrative law final. And I had gone down to my parents' house in North New Jersey. And I went to Cornell. So I was about three and a half, four hours away. I had gone down. My mom hooked me up with all the food, snacks, you know, to get through the last few days of that semester. And then I was driving back up to school through New Jersey. I was in Pennsylvania, actually, in Scranton, Pennsylvania. And all of a sudden, I'm on the highway. I'm going at 70 miles an hour or so, and I can't see. Like, instead of seeing two lanes, I'm seeing four lanes that crossed one another. And I mean, it was the the scariest time of my life. Like, I mean, imagine that you're going on the highway, and then all of a sudden, I was in a deep panic at that point. I was praying. I was thinking, man, I know I'm studying for this last final, but I can't be that tired to be experiencing something like this. Nothing like that had ever happened to me before. So I pulled over to, well, I pulled, I slowed down and I took the first exit that I saw, went to a diner, washed my face, and then I could see clearly again. So I was like, what What the heck was that? And I I got I ended up getting back on the road after a little while, called my mom, got, you know, told her, got back on the road, and my vision was clear. So as it was clear, I got calmer and calmer and kept thinking that was like a one-time thing. And then it happened again during the journey. I mean, it was maybe 45 minutes later. And at this point I had crossed back into New York. So I was in New York State at that point. There was a welcome to New York rest stop. Went there, washed my face again. I remember talking to my uncle and he told me to cover one eye and I could see clearly and cover the other eye. I could see clearly out of the other eye, but with both, I couldn't see. So he told me that my eyes weren't aligning. Mm -hmm. Anyway, at that point, I was like one hour from school and I was going on a road where you only had to, the speed limit was 30 miles an hour. So I thought I could make it, even though I had experienced it twice and it was very, very scary. I was like, I just need another 45 minutes to get home, to get back to school. Got back on the road again and it happened one more time. At this point, I thought I was going to black out. You know, I didn't know I had myasthenia at this point. So I, I called 911. I pulled over to the side of the road, called 911 and they had to tow my car my brother and my mom drove up from New Jersey and they did a a whole host of tests and everything was normal, right? Uh-huh. Like everything came back normal. They did a CAT scan. But I mean, again, this is ER. So they, they couldn't, mm-hmm. uh, they couldn't figure it out. Ended up going home. And remember I told you this was December. So most of my family lived in Maryland. I'm in Maryland now, but lived in New Jersey at the time was in Maryland and at Christmas time we got together on Christmas day and one of my cousins is a pediatrician and I told her what happened and she said man this sounds like myasthenia gravis and I was like my what 
And she said, I I remember this from medical school. And even though she's a pediatrician, that's not her area. She remembered it from medical school. And that's, that was really beneficial because a lot of people with autoimmune diseases, the symptoms are vague and could be symptoms of many different things. So they're often not diagnosed for a long time, but that helped me with the diagnosis. Even though when I went to one doctor and told him, my cousin said it could be myasthenia gravis. He said, what kind of doctor is your cousin? I said, a pediatrician. <laughs> He's like, she doesn't, she doesn't know what she's talking about. <laughs> yeah, but but let's just, let's just check anyway. Let me, let's just test you for it anyway. And that's what led to the diagnosis. But again, I'm, I'm very grateful for my cousin because I know initially when I went to a doctor, even though I had, I think, no, I think I went to a doctor before Christmas and they, they told me it was something else. So, you know, I know I would have been going down with some, you know, having some misdiagnoses if it hadn't been for my cousin. Wow. So once you got the diagnosis, like what was the treatment plan? Like, what did the doctors suggest, recommend? So the, they first recommended a medication called Mestinon, which is short-acting. So when you take it, it's like Tylenol. You know, you have a headache, you take it, it wears off, and then your headache comes back. So it was the same kind of thing. I took the medication and or for everyone. If you take the medication, it will work for four to six hours, and then you have to take it again. Now, for me, it didn't really work. I couldn't, I, I was keeping a journal, which is something I always recommend to my clients, journaling your symptoms. And I couldn't find a pattern as to when it was actually working. Like it, it just wasn't working for me. But I tried that for a few months during my last semester of law school for the beginning part. And then during spring break in March of 2003, I came, I went down and they put me on immunosuppressant medications. So I didn't really know how an autoimmune disease worked at the time. So an autoimmune disease is when the immune system is mistakenly attacking a part of the body. So in myasthenia gravis, the immune system is attacking the muscle nerve connection. So your nerves send signals to your muscles to do things like open your eyes, to raise your hands, to walk, right? And I, I should, let me take a step back. I didn't mention that, yes, I had it in my eyes, but myasthenia affects that muscle nerve connection throughout the body, including in the hands and legs, in the face where people have difficulty chewing and swallowing, and even in the lung muscles where, and that's when myasthenia can be fatal. So the medication that they gave me was to make sure to weaken my immune system, suppress my immune system, so that the, my immune system wouldn't attack the muscle nerve connection as much. That's, that's the idea. And there are a lot of different autoimmune diseases that are treated that way. So that medication worked for a while. It generally worked. But, you know, you read in my bio... I was working 80 to 100 hour weeks. So as yeah, let's a, talk about that. Okay, yeah. So <laughs> I think th- th- this is my 25-year-old self. You know, mm-hmm. you think you can do anything. And I, had, I hadn't been sick before. So 
looking back, I always say to myself, you got this diagnosis. Why do you continue with the job? Or why did you start working there? And then I worked for eight years at law firms while I had myasthenia, while I was on these medications. So I was on them when I was working those crazy hours, and I can definitely go into certain, you know, specific instances. It got to a point where the medication stopped working, mm. right? And this is something I, I I came up with and realized much later. But I always tell people that you can't out medicate your lifestyle. Like the medication isn't. Yeah, did y'all catch that? I think everybody. Okay, needs to say that one more time. Yeah, say that one more time. You can't out medicate your lifestyle. Like you can't live a crazy life. You're burning your candle on both ends and you think that a pill is just going to work. Like the the mm-hmm. medication I was taking was for symptoms of myasthenia gravis. Right? That's how the conventional model works, right? You suppress the immune system. But then I was suppressing everything else in my system, right? Like how was I actually going to get well the medication will get you better but like how was I going to really manage the symptoms when I was working like that the medication doesn't anticipate that you you're working like that you're stressing your body mm-hmm. so i remember one instance in particular i worked 2 300 hour months so lawyers bill their hours in 6 50 or sometimes 15 minute increments. And every law firm could be different. I remember working at one firm where we had to bill it in six minute increments. So Sabrina, if you called me, that doesn't count, right? Like if I talk to my mom, I go to the bathroom, I go to eat, me and a coworker have a side conversation that goes for a little bit longer, that all of those hours don't count. So I just want people to realize if I'm saying 300 hours a month, that's 75 hours a week, but it's more than that, right? Mm -hmm. Because I can't, that these are billable hours. So I worked two 300 hour months back to back. I didn't get blurred vision, but then three weeks later, I got blurred vision. And I was a little Mm -hmm. perplexed. I was like, how come I didn't get blurred vision while I was working those crazy hours, I went to the doctor and he told me that if he worked two, 300 hour months, he would get blurred vision and he doesn't have myasthenia. (laughs) Right. But he also said the body, you can have a delayed reaction to stress. So I'll note that when the medication stopped working, the immunosuppressant, then the doctor would put me on a steroid in addition to the immune suppressant. And that would be for a short while until things stabilize. And then I would slowly wean off the steroid and remain on the immunosuppressant. So that, wow. that was the first course of treatment. Okay. The modern world bombards our brains with an overwhelming amount of inputs and stressors. Our brains are struggling to adapt. A lack of brain balance means many of us are anxious looking for energy in the wrong places, and struggling to get a good night's sleep. The solution is BrainTap. BrainTap combines a variety of proven methods that restore balance to your brain for optimal performance of mind and body. This technology communicates directly with your brain so you don't have to do anything. 
simply sit back, relax, and push play. Central to BrainTap technology is the concept of brainwave entrainment. The brain will naturally synchronize with external rhythms. And several modalities are used to accomplish this, including binaural beats, isochronic tones, guided visualization, 10-cycle holographic music, and with the BrainTap headset, you'll have the added benefit of light frequencies. The overall benefits of BrainTap include improved clarity, improved quality of sleep, and more energy. Start your brain fitness journey today with a 14-day free trial. Click on the link in the show notes. Now let's talk a little bit about the steroids and what that led to, because everything has side effects. Oh, absolutely. So after four years on the immunosuppressant, then the doctor mentioned, he was like, you know, you're a young woman. So I was 29 at that point, 29, maybe 30. And, I, you know, I'm concerned about these side effects. I'm like, wait, what side effects? Anyway, I'm concerned like four, four years later, right? Um, I'm concerned about the side effects. So let's switch you over to the steroid. I went on the steroid for two years. And things, they weren't always stable. Sometimes I'd have to increase, you would have to increase the dosage if I got blurred vision during that time. And I was on that for two years and he had been mentioning a surgery where they remove your thymus gland. The thymus plays a role in immunity, especially in children. And it's research has found that people who have myasthenia gravis sometimes have an enlarged thymus. And they found that if they remove your thymus, people do better. But this is usually with people who have what they call generalized myasthenia gravis. Now, I've been mentioning my eyes, blurred vision. That's ocular myasthenia. So because, and, and, you know, I mentioned it being in people's hands and legs, their face, lungs, that would be generalized. So because I only experienced it in my eyes, I was a little hesitant to do the surgery, but I had to have a test, which was the worst medical test I've ever had, called an EMG, where they inject you with needles and then they shock you. So they're electrical impulses and they tell you to like flex, like you flex your bicep or you flex your eye, like your eye muscles and with a needle in it. And then they, they shock you. Yeah, it was the worst thing. And my mom was there for the first one. And she was like, okay, I need to leave the room. This this is, you know, really bad. But that test showed that even though I only was experiencing it in my eyes, some of my other muscles throughout my body had weakness. So the doctor said, you know, you're a good candidate for this surgery, even though you're not experiencing symptoms throughout your body, you're still a good candidate. So after two years on the steroid, I decided to do the surgery. This is like seven years in to having myasthenia gravis. Had the surgery, and because I had because I, I had surgery, I had to get off the steroids because the steroids could increase bleeding and whatnot. And I got off the steroids, and I wanted to try things on my own. I was trying not to go back on the steroids, and I know we're going to get into you know when things mm-hmm. sort of shifted for me. But to answer your question about the side effects, I was trying to manage things on my own, but then the blurred vision just sort of got worse. I would see, I would, and I was in New York, I would see cars in the East River, 
and the Hudson River, the two rivers that uh, mm-hmm. surround Manhattan. And then I started experiencing weakness in my hands where I couldn't type. Like I couldn't move my fingers. And my doctor, I told my doctor at that point, it's been five months since the surgery. I thought the surgery was supposed to help. He said, oh, it's going to get worse before it gets better. I think this is because of myasthenia. You should go back on the steroid. And I'll also note that I had started experiencing some something funny going on with my legs where I couldn't mm. put my foot down like straight. Like we pick up our feet and we put them down straight. Like I would have to like bend it on the side. It was like I had to drag my leg. Nobody said that it was because of myasthenia. They were like, oh, let's check you for a blood clot. Of course, I didn't want to have a blood clot. But in retrospect, I'm pretty sure that was myasthenia. It was weakness in my legs. But anyway, so the doctor said, you know, go back on the steroid. And at that point, because I was trying to do things on my own, I had met a chiropractor, which I'll get into in a little bit. And I had, you know, started making a couple of changes in my lifestyle and reading more about the disease and the medications. I told him, well, are you sure I should go back on the the steroid? Because I know it causes osteoporosis, diabetes, glaucoma, cataracts. And he said, well, you're young, you're 31 and you're on a low dose. So you don't have to worry about it. So I went back on the steroid, then I could see, then I could type and I could walk. But that's when four months later, I was diagnosed with osteoporosis. In the spine and hip. Yeah. Wow. So at what point did you get to the point where you had to get outside of Western medicine and that type of treatment and start incorporating more holistic things? Like what was the turning point for you? That that was the turning point when I got the Mm -hmm. osteoporosis. Because it wasn't just because I got osteoporosis. It was because I mentioned it to my doctor. My doctor doesn't know the future. I'm a woman of faith. He's not God. He can't predict those things. But he could have said, you know what? This is a real possibility. Let's try to do whatever we can to protect against it. I can't make any guarantees. You could still get one of those side effects. But let's let's try to do, why don't you take some calcium? Why don't you do some weight-bearing exercises? Let's try to do some other things to make sure your, your blood sugar is staying as low as possible. Right? Like, he didn't tell me anything like that. He just said, point blank, you don't have to worry about it because you're young and you're on a low dose. So that was, that's when I fully sort of turned. But after I had surgery, I went to, I went to a workshop at Whole Foods and I I stayed with my parents during the recovery. My mom helped, my dad helped a lot. He was at home and he really took care of me during that point. And I went to this workshop with this chiropractor, and the chiropractor was talking about bisphenol A, BPA. I had never heard of it. This is in 2009. And she was talking about how that impacts hormones, endocrine health. And then a light bulb went off for me. Man, could something like this be impacting myasthenia? So that's what I was talking about before. I started making a few changes at that point. But after the osteoporosis diagnosis, I was just fed up. I was at my my breaking point. I was like, there has to be something I can do. I already told the doctor about these side effects. And he just, 
you just brushed me off and told me I didn't have to worry about it. And now I have osteoporosis at the age of 32. So I ended up going to see a naturopathic doctor. I'm pretty sure that my chiropractor, she had been giving me some recommendations. I had started going to get adjustments at that point. She had put me on some probiotics. She suggested going to see a naturopathic doctor. So when I went to the naturopathic doctor, she told me about an anti-inflammatory diet. She Mm. told me about, she told me to get on some supplements. She even, there there was one supplement that I didn't want to take because of some of the ingredients. And she said, you know, if you don't want to take it, it's not going to agree with your body. So let's find something else. That was the first time I had ever heard anything like that. And she sat down with me for about an hour and a half. She wanted to know about my childhood health. She wanted to know just about my family, my history, all of that stuff. I felt empowered after that mm-hmm. appointment with her. So it was it was really the osteoporosis diagnosis that put me on this whole mission that I'm still on now to help other people what I say, own the power in their healing journey. Because the food that we eat, we're the ones who we feed ourselves every single day. That The food that we eat, it feeds our cells, it feeds our tissues, our organs, that ultimately determines whether we get disease or whether we don't. Of course, there, there are other factors as well, including stress, but all of those things we control. Me working at a law firm, working all those crazy hours, that was a choice, right? During this after the shift, I switched jobs. Like I, I stopped working. I realized finally that those crazy hours were impacting my health. Then I also eliminated a lot of the environmental toxins, including the BPA I learned about and then later realized that other BPA-free plastics have BPF and BPS. They have just replacement chemicals. Yeah, I saw wow. that. No, yeah. So be- <laughs> BPA free. Okay, yeah, we can get into one thing I tell my clients all the time is the front label of things, that's advertising. Mm. The back label is information. Now, of course, BPA free, there's really no back label, but a lot of these labels is just to get you to buy it. You've you now I had heard about BPA free, so about BPA that was bad. So I was buying all the BPA free stuff. Right. And mo- these companies probably aren't lying. It's BPA free. They're just not telling you that it has. What else is there? Account- <laughs> yeah. What else is there? Yeah. 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 Wow. Wow. That is crazy. Huh. So talk. Uh, I think when we chatted before, you mentioned like um, cosmetics. Absolutely. So I believe that in order to heal one, you have to shift your mindset and we can get into that. But you also need to be aware of what you're putting on in and around your body. So your your skin is your biggest organ, right? And most of the time with cosmetics, what do you do? Like I just took a shower before this. What did I do? Put on lotion, put on face cream, put on makeup. And it's right after a shower. So your pores are open and everything you put on is going directly into your bloodstream. The heat and massage increase the rate at which chemicals are absorbed into your skin. And that's what we do. We take a shower, we heat up, and then we massage lotions and whatnot into our our bodies. I saw a statistic some years ago, it might be different now, that the average woman puts on 515 chemicals every single day. 
So it's in, because, you know, every product has a ton of chemicals in it. Exactly. So I'll talk about two. There's, so body products have a lot of chemicals. Parabens is probably something that you've, you might've heard about. That's an emulsifier. It keeps the product together. It is an endocrine disrupting chemical, which means it affects the hormonal system and it's linked to like breast cancer and prostate cancer and other hormonal issues. And there's also, there's also a class of chemicals called phthalates. Now, phthalates is not something that you'll see on a label, but whenever you see the word fragrance, Uh It has a class of chemicals, it has phthalates in it. Phthalates, that's also an endocrine disruptor. And Mm. even if you see something that's fragrance-free, it has phthalates in it too. So (sighs) one thing that I recommend is there's a group called the Environmental Working Group, ewg.org. And they do a lot of work with food, with body products, with water, if you want to find out what's in your water. Because everybody's water is different. What the water you have, Sabrina, is different from the water I have, and then we're all using the same filter. It's not gonna you need a filter that's gonna filter what's actually in your water. But anyway, the EWG has a a database called Skin Deep. And what you can do is put your product in there and see how much data they have on it, like how it ranks. Does are the chemicals related to can't, are they carcinogens? Are they cancer causing? Do they lead to respiratory issues? Like they'll, it'll tell you all of these things. And then cleaning products, we we're talking about cosmetics, but cleaning products is the same thing. I remember when I first became a health coach and I became a health coach after my whole journey and changing everything. Then I got really interested in nutrition and health. I became a health coach and I was buying some soap from uh, some um, laundry detergent from a supermarket, a popular supermarket will, that will remain unnamed, but a sort of a healthy ish supermarket. And on the front label, it said eco friendly, all of this stuff. And we have been using it for a while. And then I finally went on the EWG site. They have a healthy cleaning database as well. It got an F. Okay. Ooh. It got an F. F had all these chemicals in it, but on the front, this is what I'm talking about. The front label, it looked good. They got you with the ad. Mm -hmm. Got you with the ad, like you said. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Wow. That's some knowledge right there. EWG.org. Yeah, EWG.org. Yeah, they have everything like food. So they have something called the Dirty Dozen and the Clean 15 list. So I recommend that people eat organic as much as possible, right? That's another change that I made. I started eating organic. I also started juicing, right? I got a juicer and I'm super excited because I'm getting a new juicer today. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) I recommend that people eat organic because you have, there's pesticides, they're genetically modified organisms in produce. And then on the, the meat side, they're antibiotics and hormones. But speaking of produce, the EWG puts together a list of the top 12 items of produce that have the most pesticide residue. And then, yeah, they're, they're our favorites, man. Strawberries, apples, grapes, ah. kale, spinach, peppers. Those are generally 
on on the list they for the past few years and people can go look it up just you know to confirm but those are generally on the list every year and then on the clean 15 they have pineapples avocados i know cabbage has been on there onions i'm not looking at the 2023 list right now but historically these items have been on there and the idea is if something's on the dirty dozen you know it has a lot of pesticides so you want to try to okay. keep those <laughs> items organic organically grown as much as possible but then for the clean 15 they have the less the least pesticide residue so if you want to not eat organic for those those items of produce those fruits and vegetables it's not as troublesome it won't be as bad and sometimes i do get conventionally grown avocados because i know it, it doesn't have as much pesticides and you know let's be honest they, it's cheaper right and i know we're trying to save money organic is more more money but so that's one way i say to to save money is to buy organically grown for the things on the dirty dozen and for the clean 15 if you're trying to save but i also tell people that we can all we can pay now or we can pay later right like okay. and I, yeah and i'm not even saying like okay we're going to die we're all going to die but i'm not saying that you can pay in your medical bills or you can pay now for organically grown exactly and i think people cuz when i was working at a firm like i was making good money right i could definitely afford organic but it I just wasn't educated about it, even though my mom would buy organic stuff. I'm like, wow, that chicken is like $3 more. I'm not buying it, even though I could, right? But I didn't understand the impact that these chemicals or what it really even meant. Sure. Because you're like $3 more and a smaller? Like, why why do I want that? Because you know everything. Right. right. (laughs) With the steroids is enlarged and big. Yes. Big pieces of chicken. Right. (laughs) Right. One thing with chicken, though, what they do is like they actually plump it. So they'll put mm. salt water in it just to, to make it bigger, you know, so they can get more money. Wow. Yeah. Mm. But also, yeah, there yeah. are, you know, hormones as well. Yes. So let's talk about, you know, I always say there's two things that Western medicine doesn't consider when they're treating you is the power of your mind and the power of your spirit. So talk to me a little bit about mindset and how important mindset is to healing mindset is everything. It's it's super important to healing. So I think that there are two aspects of, of mindset. One, they've done they've done studies. I'm I'm writing a book right now. I have a couple of studies in in my book where they found that mindset can impact physiological changes. There was a study with people drinking milkshakes. They thought one was low calorie and the other one was high calorie and high fat. And it impacted their hunger hormone, their adrenaline, to the point where they, when they drank the one that they thought was high fat, then they, they stopped being hungry. Like their, their hunger hormone uh, suppressed more. I want to make sure I'm getting the study right. But anyway, it, their, their hunger hormones stopped. Like they felt like they were full faster than when they thought they were drinking the low calorie one mm-hmm. when in fact it was the same thing so that just shows like your mindset like what you're thinking was actually impacting physiological changes right so it to me if you think you can heal and some people have 
gotten on me because I, I said, I say I'm healed. And they're like, oh, the disease is incurable. You can't heal, right? Like if you have that mindset, if I think I can heal, like my body is in constant communication with the mind, the mind and the body are connected, right? So like my body's saying, I'm saying to myself, I can heal. My body's like, yep, we can heal, right? Like it's going to start having those responding to that it's going to respond to that yes yes that's the believing and and that's something that's possible just like if you don't believe it's possible then you're going to go down that rabbit hole of despair and right feeling like there's no hope and you're going to feel worse right right absolutely absolutely and then the other aspect of of mindset is once you think healing is possible then you want to start looking for solutions that's the point where I was when I got diagnosed with osteoporosis. I was like, there has to be a better way. Like I'm not going down any further. I'm going to find the answers. So that's when I started doing acupuncture, doing chiropractic care. These are things I probably wouldn't have even thought about or considered before, right? I started thinking outside the box. And I also think that, you know, being being positive and being positive, enjoying yourself. I always tell the story about my uncle. My uncle was, my uncle Wilmot, he was diagnosed with prostate cancer when he was 52, young, right? And he he battled the prostate cancer for 18 years, right? And doctors even told him that you you shouldn't be here. You shouldn't be here right now. And I remember talking to him some years ago and I didn't know he had stage four cancer at that point. And it came as a shock. He told me, he said, Amiciata, I have stage four cancer, but I'm going to live my life and enjoy my life as much as I can. I mean, he went, he was a pilot. He used to fly. I'm, I'm thankful I had the opportunity to go on a glider with him. And he would play instruments. He played the cello, the violin. He would take photography, you know, just enjoy himself. He wasn't just down in the house and saying like, hey, I have stage four cancer and the doctors say I'm going to die, right? Unfortunately, he did pass away, but he en- he lived. He enjoyed mm. his life, the time that he have he had here. And I feel like a lot of people, when they're diagnosed with a chronic illness, they just succumb to it in their mind. And then mm-hmm. your body and they stop is everything. Yeah. They stop everything. Everything they used to enjoy, they stopped doing it. Right. Right. So mindset, like that's why when I work with clients, that's the first thing we work on. Because like if you don't think you can heal, the other thing I tell people is every decision we make either promotes health or promotes disease. Nearly every decision is our thoughts, like whether we're thinking positively or negatively, the body products, the cleaning products, the food. I mean, even the air, obviously, like you can't necessarily move. And up here, I don't know how it is in uh, North Carolina right now, but in Maryland, like the air quality is bad. But, you know, spending an extended time outside isn't good for your health right now. So mm-hmm. make a different decision, right? Like the decisions we make impact our health. And the good thing is we are in control of all of those decisions, right? So that like that, are those are the two parts of mindset. Like once you feel like you know you're in control, you know you have the power, 
then you're going to start doing things, number one. And number two is that your body is going to start feeling it, right? Like being positive, I encourage people to do affirmations. And even if you're not feeling it, because then you want to condition your mind to start thinking that way. Exactly. And wow. I mean, spirituality is is super like important, What whatever whatever your your practice is, right? That's something that also helps people to kind of get through the journey, right? To get through a chronic illness and thinking, hey, this is could be part of a bigger plan, right? It's it's rough right now, but like when I was going through it, I'm not exactly sure if I always thought that way, but it was part of a bigger plan. Like look at what I'm doing now. Like I'm helping other people. Exactly. If I hadn't gotten diagnosed with myasthenia and gone through the journey or even gotten osteoporosis, I would probably not I know I wouldn't be here. Exactly. In this space. Exactly. Of being able to heal help right. other people heal and right. tap into their power. And it right. sounds like, you know, once you believe in possibility, you just believe that there's limitless options, you know, things that you may not have considered before. Right. Because all the things that I tried on my journey, I wouldn't have tried unless my back was against the wall. And finally, I was like, there has to be another way, you know, another way through. And I just have to find it. Even if everybody else doesn't know about it, I'm about to uncover something and discover some new things. Absolutely. That, that's exactly how I felt after that osteoporosis diagnosis. And it's funny that people sometimes I heard from my mother-in-law that some people in my husband's family, at least when we first got married, like thought I was I was weird. They're like, why is Amy Sales all into this eating clean and you know, she doesn't want this, these products and that products until like people realize the story. I'm like, you haven't walked in my shoes. You, you could think whatever you okay. want. Okay. I like, know. I'd have been through some shit. I'd have been through some shit. Let me just, let me break it down for you. And then you gonna understand why I do things this way. Exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> wow. So tell us a little bit about the work that you're doing with clients. Are you actively taking clients now? So right now I am mainly working on my book, right? So what, and with clients, okay. I'll do a, what I call a VIP, a power health hour. So if people are okay. interested, I could do a power health hour where we just do some laser coaching and come up with a plan for your health. But I'm not taking like long-term engagements because I'm I'm finishing okay. my book and I'm also working on workshops with corporate clients because in addition to working with the autoimmune population, I'm also working with lawyers and other people in high stress jobs to implement quick strategies to help to upgrade their health a little bit. Of course, to fully upgrade your health, you need to make major changes, but there are little Mm -hmm. things that we can do. So like I'm working on those workshops, doing the power health hours with clients and finishing my book. Yes, that's right. That sounds great. So how can the listeners um, follow you, learn more about what you do? Sure. So do you have a website? Yes, cleanbodyliving.com, cleanbodyliving.com. And I'm on Instagram and Facebook at cleanbodyliving. And for any lawyers that are interested, I also have another website for them, wellnesswinsforlawyers.com slash guide, because I have a guide there. I just did a talk with the DC Bar Association and that's that's the site that I'm I'm sending people to. But 
My main site's cleanbodyliving.com, and you can find me at Clean Body Living on Instagram, Facebook, and I look forward to hearing from people. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, sharing about your journey and your new mission. I wish everybody health and wellness. Thank you so much, Sabrina. I appreciate you having me on. Thanks so much for tuning into Fuck Being Stuck, the podcast. Be sure to check out the show's notes for this episode on www.drsabrinanicole.com and follow us on social media. If you like this episode, make sure to subscribe and leave a review. We'll be back next week with more. See you then.